And so like Kevin said, we've been studying the Beatitudes and we're going to continue here with Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 37. So if everybody could just open up their Bible to that scripture, we'll jump right into it. We'll pray. We'll hear what God has to say and then we'll close out. It's Matthew chapter 5, starting from verse 21. Do I have a volunteer who'd like to read Matthew chapter 5, starting from verse 21? Matthew 5 verse 21 if you have heard that our you have heard what our ancestors were told you must not murder if you commit murder you are subject to judgment but I say if you are even angry with someone you are subject to judgment if you call someone an idiot you are in, you are in danger of being brought before the courts and if you curse someone, you are in danger of the hells of fire. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in, a, in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled with, to the person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Keep going. Yeah, all the way to three. Okay. Then, oh, one you are on the way to the court with your adversary settle your differences quickly otherwise your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison and if this happens you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery but i say anyone who looks Anyone who even looks at the woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for you, your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mabel. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for gathering us here this morning. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your teachings. We ask, O oh Lord, that this morning you will speak to us, O oh Lord, that everything, O oh Lord, that you need us to hear from this message, O oh Lord, will stay in our hearts, O oh Lord, and that we will use it even when we leave this place, Lord, and apply it in every aspect of our lives. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and be in our midst. Please speak to us. Please teach us. Please send away any distractions. And let us, Father, Lord God, do everything to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen. So thank you, Mabel, for reading that. Um, Today we're going to talk about two things, but primarily I want to focus on verses 21 all the way up to 26. Um, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, um, as we all already know, is 
some of the best collections of Jesus's teachings, right? He gathers his disciples, there's a crowd that begins to gather around and Jesus just speaks and he starts to just instruct them. He gives them teachings and biblical principles to apply to. And so he gets to this section and he starts talking about anger, he starts talking about adultery. So he talks about anger first and then he gets into adultery. But what I wanna do, I just kinda wanna address the adultery aspect only because we're young, that doesn't quite apply to us yet as much as the teaching on anger does, okay? So biblically speaking, the act of adultery, right, is a married person going to have sexual relations with another married person who's not their wife or their husband, okay? Obviously, that doesn't apply to us because we're not married. And also, in like very technical terms, the Bible defines adultery, like, in the Old Testament, if you were a married man and you went and committed adultery with a married woman, that was a problem. But it wasn't so much an issue if you were a married man and you had relations with an unmarried woman. So there's a lot of different things um, you know, that can be clarified at a different time. But in this moment, I think that that particular scripture only applies to us in the sense that none of us are married right now, however, we are young, we have urges, we have feelings, we have things that come up, right? Because we're all kind of like growing up in our adolescent years and puberty has hit and all of that, right? But you really gotta be careful about how you address those emotions, how you address those feelings. Um, you may think a lot of it doesn't apply to you, but there's a lot of people, a lot of young people who've gotten themselves into trouble because they did not allow themselves to suppress those urges. And so one of the things I love about Jesus's teaching is he doesn't only instruct us about the actual act, right? He doesn't tell us not to, I mean, he tells us not to murder. He tells us not to commit adultery. He tells us all these things that he doesn't believe we should be doing, right? But he also goes as far as to address the thoughts, right? The things behind those actual acts that get you to that point, right? And specifically here with the point of adultery, he's instructing us that we shouldn't even get to the point where we're thinking about or looking at somebody in an adulterous way. Because he knows that a lot of these things begin in your heart. They begin in your mind. And so the moment you start to look at somebody or you start to have these you know, ill feelings towards them or adulterous feelings towards them, that's what will lead you to doing something that will have you fall into temptation. And so primarily with this area, it's just don't, don't allow those sinful urges to overtake you, okay? Don't allow the urges to sleep with somebody or the urges to get involved with somebody to really keep you like in a position where you really destroy yourself and you destroy your life because that's what has happened to so many young people who were not able to abide by this teaching, okay? Does that make sense? I promise you when you're older and you have a job and you have everything going for you, you will blossom both men and women go find somebody who will love you and care about you and all that stuff you'll be able to apply right now it's just not necessary it's a distraction it's a waste of time and it ends up getting you into a lot more trouble than you should be amen all right so let's just go back then to the teaching about anger okay i'm going to read that one more time just because i think there's a lot of different things from this section that we can pull from and a lot of different things here that we can apply in our own lives as young people, all right? 
So it starts by saying, you have heard our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Now, mind you, I'm reading from the New Living Translations, one of my favorite translations. So again, verse 22 says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Okay. So this is so applicable to all of us because we've all been in a situation where somebody has angered us, right? Somebody has triggered us. Somebody has either said something about us or we've heard that they've done something or, you know, whatever has happened, it has angered us. It has made us really, really upset, okay? And anger is a natural sort of human response to whenever we feel violated by another person, okay? It's in our nature to become angry. So I don't want you guys to feel like the Bible or Jesus Christ is saying, don't be angry, because it's a natural thing that's gonna happen, right? Jesus here is really, really teaching us about how to go about our anger, okay? You can be angry and you can still limit yourself from doing and saying things that's gonna be detrimental to yourself, right? And you have to be mindful about the teachings of Christ, right? A lot of times when the Bible instructs us to do certain things, when the Bible is telling us to behave in a certain way, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the other person, okay? Jesus Christ is interested in your well-being and he's interested in your salvation. And so when the Bible teaches us and instructs us certain things, you have to really sort of take it into context and ask yourself, why is it that Christ is instructing me to do it this way? How does this apply to me and how is it going to benefit me? Okay. So naturally, when somebody does something to offend us, we get angry, we get upset. Okay. And that's just, again, a natural human response to being violated. Okay. A lot of times what we do as young people, as human beings, it doesn't even really matter how old you are, right? We take it to the next level, okay? And we either get violent, okay? I've seen this happen with guys. Guys love to get violent. They love to get physical. They love to fight. They like to assert their dominance and their alpha male tendency. They love to do that, okay? Guys love to do that. And then females tend to resort to the name calling, they tend to resort to the gossiping, both of which the Bible, Christ is showing us, is not the way to respond, okay? When somebody does something to us, when we feel like we've been, somebody has offended us, right? You're not supposed to throw your hands up and get ready to square up and get ready to fight somebody. That's, that's not the response that Christ is instructing us to do. And if you're a lady and, and you are somebody who fights, you're definitely not supposed to do that, okay? Whether it's biblical or not, I'm talking in terms of principle. As a woman, don't fight, okay? Don't, don't put your hands up, don't try to fight, don't try to be anything like that because at that point, you're not demonstrating yourself as a woman, you're really demonstrating yourself as an animal. And guys, it's the same, it's the, it's the same, it's the same because again, 
the Bible speaks of it and says, okay, this is not how we're supposed to respond, but in a very practical term, very practical terms, right? Animals don't know how to reason. They don't know how to be in conflict with another animal and talk it out and figure it out and sort it out. So of course, they're gonna attack each other and they're gonna fight, okay? That's how they were designed and that's how they behave. As human beings, we have intellect, we have the ability to reason, we have the ability to communicate our issues. And so fighting should never, physical violence should never be your first resort, okay? And it shouldn't ever really be any resort at any point because the Bible tells us not to do that, okay? So why is the Bible instructing us to not respond to our offenses in such manner, okay? Jesus Christ lived a life that was noble. He lived a life that was honorable. And he lived a life that we are supposed to be emulating, okay? Jesus Christ walked this earth. He was the savior of mankind. And he was here to deliver us from our sins, okay? He was here to give us another shot at heaven. In the process of doing that, right, he was rather attacked and he was rather offended in so many different ways by human beings, not just in the mere fact that he was put on the cross. From the minute in which the kings and the authorities knew that Christ's birth was about to happen, they began to set things in place to remove his existence, okay? So if anybody had any reason to be upset, to retaliate, to call names, to throw hands, it should have been Christ, okay? Because the moment he was born, they wanted to take him out. And throughout the entire process of him walking this earth and teaching and instructing people on how to get closer to God, he was constantly mocked. Okay, people who didn't believe in his purpose, what he was there to do, people who didn't accept him as the son of God. And so he's going through this and people are slandering him. Then he gets to the point where he really has to fulfill his purpose and he's dying on the cross and here he is being, uh, being beaten, right, by the very people that he's there to save, right? And he doesn't ever utter any curses or any slander towards any of the people who are beating him or any of the people who are slaying him. In those moments, Christ did the most humble thing anybody could ever do. And he prayed for us. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Okay? There's something so powerful. There's something so special. There's something so rare in somebody who is able to allow their anger to remain just that, right? to not allow their anger to push them to a point where they begin to attack another person in any way, in any form, in any fashion, okay? Because think about what you're doing the moment you put yourself in that other person's position, okay? It's kind of like the Old Testament teaching, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? You do something to me and I do something right back at you, right? What separates you or distinguishes you as a child of God, what makes you different or sets you apart from Satan and the rest of his crew, from everybody else who's living a worldly life, right? Everybody else who's here claims they're Christians, wants to act and retaliate in non-Christian ways, right? But what the Bible tells us that if we want to be Christians, we have to act like Christians, we have to be Christ-like, 
right? And Christ-like means to emulate the life and the principles and the walk of Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus Christ is the prime example, the prime example. Now, I always advise my younger siblings, right? Because they're growing up, they're coming up, they get into things with people all the time. And I was recently talking to my younger brother and I was trying to like, you know, coach him and give him this same sort of advice. And he was like, Olivia, like, you can't expect me to act like, like, I'm not Jesus. I didn't come and die. I can't, you can't expect me to like, you know, do this. You can't expect me to just act like Jesus did. And I was like, you're right. Like, I don't, I don't expect you to act like Jesus. I don't think Jesus really even expects us to get to that level of perfection because it's just not possible, right? With the flesh that we have, we're so compelled to sin. So it's just not something that's humanly possible. I was like, look, I get it, I understand. But what I need you to understand also is that the Holy Spirit, right, descended here upon us when Christ ascended into heaven, right? And he's here to help us, right? Help us to carry out these noble acts, to help us to act Christ-like, okay? So when you invite the Holy Spirit to come and be a part of you, when you invite the Holy Spirit to come and live in your heart, when you follow the teachings of Christ and you begin to watch the fruit of the Spirit come to life, then these things become easier and easier and easier to do, okay? When I first became a Christian and somebody wronged me, it was very difficult for me to turn the other cheek. It was very difficult for me to not retaliate, okay? As I became more prayerful, as I strengthened my relationship with Christ, as I continued to pray, as I really began to soak into the word and understand who God is and why he instructs us to do certain things, it became easier and easier and easier for me to let go of certain things, right? Because I'm gonna be 25 this year, okay? And throughout the 25 year course of my life, I've been wrong so many different times. People have offended me so many different times, okay? And it's so easy for us to want to just snap back. It's so easy for you to want to fight back. It's so easy for you to want to defend yourself. It's so easy for you to want to take that natural course of action. But the Holy Spirit who lives in us kind of steps in and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Think about what you're about to do before you do it, all right? Think about not only what you're about to do, but what that's going to do to you afterwards, how that's gonna make you feel afterwards, what it's gonna do to the situation afterwards, right? We live in a time where everybody thinks that, you know, the, the people who, who don't fight back are weak, right? If you don't fight back, you look weak, you look this, you look that, right? But I always tell, I, always, I tell everybody really who asks me, like the weakest people to me are the people who are so easily triggered by anything, right? All I have to do is, is, is something that might tip you off or anger you or throw you off and all of a sudden you react, right? Think about how predictable you become as a person. If all somebody has to do is call you a name or say something about you, how you're dressed or how your family looks or, or something that might offend you. And now all of a sudden you're angry, you're upset, you wanna fight, you wanna call people names, you wanna do all these different things. And all they have to do is say something about you. All they have to do is do that one thing now that they know can easily trigger you. 
To me, that's a weak person. You're so weak that you don't even have the ability to comport your feelings, your emotions, and your anger into a way that you're not gonna respond irresponsibly, right? The strongest people and the wisest people are the ones who can take those attacks, the ones who can take those offenses, stop and think for a minute. And then the Bible even says, go back and rather try to reconcile their differences with that person, okay? That's an extremely difficult thing to do, all right? Because it's one thing to say, you know what? This person has wronged me. I'm gonna leave it as it is, and I'm not gonna retaliate. But now Jesus is saying, if you are presenting a sacrifice, in other words, if you wanna come to the altar and you're trying to maintain a relationship with me, right? And you're trying to offer something to me, be it your life or whatever, right? Before you can even come and engage with me and the Holy Father, go back and reconcile your differences with this person. In other words, go and fix this issue with this person. Not an easy thing to do because now you have to initiate the reconciliation. You have to be the person to go and not necessarily apologize, but, but we're trying to sort out the differences here, all right? Because nine times out of 10, if you really think about it, you think somebody has wronged you, you think somebody offended you, you think somebody did something towards you. But if you take a moment and you really analyze the situation, perhaps there was something that you did that may have triggered them that may have caused the reaction that you got from them, right? It's, it's about being accountable sometimes also for yourself and really understanding that, that people have their own issues, right? And people respond to you based on what they're going through, based on how they receive your energy, based on how they receive whatever it is that you, you, you know, attack them with. I was talking to a friend just last Friday and he was really, really upset about something that someone had done to him. And I asked him, I was like, so what did you do in response? Because he was really, really upset. Number one, I love that, you know, as he was telling me the story of what this person did to him, he kept saying, he kept referring to the person as person, right? He was like, and this person did this, and this person did this, and this person did that. And he told me, he was like, I'm not even going to call her out of her name, okay? So number one, he being able to refrain himself from calling her the B word or referring to her as like, I don't know, any type of insult, right? Because that's what we normally do. This did something and da da da, da. like we just want to go off. We just want to rap about them and begin to refer them in very condescending names, right? So the first thing he said is, I'm not even going to refer to this person as this, this, and the third. I'm just going to refer to them as the person, right? And and I asked him, I said, like, what, what, did you, like, what did you end up doing? And he said, you know what, Olivia? I realized that some people have their own demons they're battling. So I just took my stuff and I left, okay? And that really hit me. That really, like, that really hit me. And I felt that because you don't, you don't really know what people are going through. You don't really know what they're experiencing. You don't know what demons they're battling, what struggles they have. And so sometimes... You get into it with somebody, but you just caught them on a bad day, or you caught them on a day and a time in which they're, they're really, really going through something. And so their response or their reaction towards you seemed like it was really directed towards you, when really it may not have even had anything to do with you. Why? Because they have their own issues that they're dealing with, right? 
And that's why I think God really instructs us to have that level of sympathy, have that level of compassion. Because whether you want to believe it or not, this is how Christ, this is how God reacts to us. This is how he treats us, right? How many times do we offend the Holy Spirit? How many times do we sin and break the rules and the laws that God has set out for us? How many times do we do that even in a day? And you cannot even, you can't even forgive the person who wronged you, let alone go back to the person to try to reconcile your differences. And you expect God to do the same for you. You expect God to have that sympathy and that mercy and that grace for you, but you're not willing to afford that to somebody else. Like that's that, that that's something that cannot work in the kingdom of God. You cannot call yourself a Christian and ask God to have all these mercies for you, but then not apply it to other people when they want you. Okay? It's just something that you have to work towards, right? Our spirituality, our Christianity, it's like a muscle. The the less you use it, right, the less you exercise it, the weaker it becomes, right? How do we exercise our spiritual muscles? How do we exercise our abilities to, to not snap back at people who wrong us? We read our Bibles, guys. We read our Bibles. I know it's very difficult these days because when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that you want to do is grab your phone and go to Instagram, go to Twitter, go to Snapchat, keep your streaks going right. But at some point during the day, at some point during the morning, grab your Bible. At some point, even if you have a Bible app or something, like read a, read a section of scripture, okay? Because I noticed that a lot of people try to do the whole um, Bible app. So you'll get like one, one verse, one or two verses a day. Like, guys, that's not really going to cut it, right? You're just reading a quote at that point. Read a body of scripture. Go back and read the Beatitudes. Read like a whole chapter and fill yourself in the word. Exercise that muscle, right? Because reading one, one little verse a day is like going to the gym, lifting up a, found, a five pound weight and then putting it down. You're not really going to get any stronger from that, right? You want to make sure that you keep yourself submerged in the word. The word of God is what keeps us grounded and it keeps us on track in terms of what God wants us to do, how he instructs us, okay? And I know that this book was written thousands of years ago, right? And you may not feel like it applies to you, but that's the power of God. That's the power of this scripture is that it does, in fact, still apply to us to this very day. If you need help, you can go online and read different commentaries to try to understand, right? Get a little bit more revelation and understanding as to some, some of the scriptures and what they really mean. But it still applies to us to this very day. We still have prophets and preachers who are still following the teachings of the Bible and who are still promising us, right? Who are still showing us that, that God's word still stands and his promises will still come to pass, right? So if you're not keeping yourself in the word of God, you're missing that chain. You're missing the teachings. You're missing the instructions. You're missing God. You're missing God. You can't expect to live your life as a Christian. You can't expect to be able to do these things, to turn away from somebody who wrongs you. If you don't keep yourself in God, if you don't keep yourself in scripture, right? If you're not praying, right? A lot of us don't pray. Let's be real. We are not praying. Like, what are you doing calling yourself a Christian and you don't pray, right? You have no form of communication with God. You say, I know God, I believe in God, 
you know, whatever it is that you use to justify your faith, whatever you, it is you use to justify your relationship with God. But the, the reality is you're not really fooling anybody. You're not, you're not fooling anybody but yourself. And that's a really sad place to be, okay? If you, if you read your Bible or you find it difficult to pray, um, or when you read your Bible, you find that it's difficult for you to really connect with you know, the language of the Bible or, or just the word of God, it's probably an indication that you're, you're probably pretty distant from God, right? There's a little bit of distance that's been created because that muscle hasn't been exercised, okay? You haven't been consistent with it. And that's what it is for any relationship, all right? We can't just exclude you know, God from the way relationships work. If you're supposed to be my best friend or you're supposed to be my partner or you're supposed to be someone who's very important to me, holds any type of significance in my life, but I don't keep up with you in communication, then who are we really fooling, right? At that point, you don't really know the person. You don't know God if you're not praying. You don't know God if you're not talking to him. You don't know God if you're not reading the word. You don't know God if you're not exercising his teachings. It's, it's really that simple. There's so many Christians out here who believe, who actually believe that when Christ comes, they're actually going to be resurrected with him. And the sad truth is that's not the case. The Bible says many are called, but only few are chosen. Right? A lot of people are called, and a lot of people have answered to those callings. Right? They're like, yeah, this sounds like a really great deal. Right? Just like surrender my life to Christ and just you know, do this altar call and I'm a Christian. Like, of course, that's, that's great. But the, the few that are, that are chosen are the ones who actually exercise the faith. Right? Those who actually suppress the urges of their flesh. Right? Because your flesh is going to want you to retaliate. Your flesh is going to want you to defend yourself. Your flesh is going to want you to do and say things that's going to uphold your reputation or whatever it is that you want people to perceive of you. Okay, it all goes back to the idea that we don't want to look weak in front of the next person, right? So your flesh is going to have you do all these things when really Christ has instructed us to rather die to our flesh. Right, to wake up every morning to pick up our cross and to have Christ be the focal point, right? The person that we look to in all circumstances. Okay? And I'll be honest with you, I do that to this day. Whenever I feel like I've been wrong or I've been offended, I get into like the heat of the moment. I'm really, really upset and, and it's just really hard for me sometimes to really like get myself calm. But then I look back to Christ and I almost have this visual image of Christ in my head. And I think about his teachings, I think about what he's instructed us to do, but I also think about all the things that Christ has done for me, right? In this very moment, I wanna be very upset, I wanna retaliate, I wanna be angry, and I want to get back at this person for what they've done or for what they've said. But that's just a tiny, tiny aspect of everything else that's going on in my life right now, in which God has demonstrated his blessings upon my life why would i allow this one thing to become an issue for me right why don't i rather right in gratitude to christ why don't i rather obey his teachings and try to either reconcile with this person or keep my peace keep my calm keep my cool and keep it moving right what happens when 
you decide to go back and to fight the person, whether it's physically or verbally, an exchange of words, what happens after that? Does anything good ever happen after that? Like ever? You see all these like different like beefs on social media, whether it's celebrities or your friends. Like what happens when people just keep adding fire to the fire? Nothing good ever comes out of that, ever. And it, it definitely does not end up well for you at all. You may think that, oh, people are looking at you, praising you for doing this, you put the harder blow or whatever, but nobody wins in a situation like that. Nobody ever wins, okay? The person who wins, right, after a circumstance like that is the person who walks away unbothered, right? The person who walks away, yes, they're angry, yes, they're upset, but they don't curse the person. They don't say anything to degrade the person, right? They don't do anything that's going to spark any additional anger, right? Or push them to the point where they may even murder. Remember I said that Christ doesn't just instruct us not to do the act itself, right? To not commit adultery, to not murder. But Christ is instructing us here, guys, to not even think about the things or do the things or engage in the things that will get us to that point, all right? All these different crimes that you see happen on TV or things that you've heard about maybe with your friends, maybe family members, sadly, all these things started somewhere, right? If it was a malicious act, it started as a thought. It started as somebody who felt that they were wrong or somebody who was upset about something who didn't follow obviously the teachings of the Bible, right? They took that, they harbored it, and they allowed it to get them to the point where they acted upon it. That's what Christ is trying to prevent. And in fact, everything that the Bible teaches us and instructs us to do is to prevent us from getting to a point where we destroy our own lives, right? We do things that we'll later regret or things that will take us to a point of no return, right? And sometimes it's not just the literal act of murder or the literal act of adultery, right? Sometimes you guys are killing your own reputation by the things that you do and the things that you say. You think you're young now, but all you're doing is creating a paper trail for yourself as you get older and older, okay? You'll try to apply for certain jobs and you'll realize that your actions or your behaviors from the past your employers are looking at that and for whatever reason that's not something that they want with their company and now you don't have this job that you want right you realize that maybe you're trying to pursue a relationship with somebody right somebody that you have an interest in of course this is when you're older and you know there are certain things about your past that come up and in your head of course you're like if only i knew but you have to realize that this you're at that point right now where you do know right you know better you know better than to act and to behave in certain ways that are going to cause a potential harm to your future and to your life right and it may not be something that everybody sees per se right it may not be that something it may not be something that everybody will talk about one day it could be the mere like habits that you're forming and you're creating right now in your life one of the things that i'm most grateful for is the discipline I had when I was your age and just reading my Bible and just praying, like the consistency I had with that. 
Like I'm not as good with it now because I'm so busy, but I'm glad that when I had the time, I did it when I was your age, because that is what has helped to sustain me and giving me the habits that I have now, right? And helping me to live a life that is trying to be pleasing to God, right? But in this moment, you're creating patterns and things that you're gonna stick to, that you're gonna carry with you even as you get older. And so you may be dealing with something personality-wise or character-wise, and you're asking yourself like, I don't understand why I'm this way. I don't understand why I behave this way. I don't understand why I think this way. When really, all it is is really bad habits that you nurtured and you condoned at this age that you're allowing to grow with you as you get older. And you'll watch it affect all these other aspects of your life, your relationships, your education, your future. And so Christ is instructing us for our well-being, for our betterment, right? For our own good, that when you get to those situations, when you get to those times and those periods when you really, really just want to act out, right? You really, really want to be upset. Hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. Before you insult anyone, before you say anything about anyone, just hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. And I would even take it to the next level and say a prayer for them. I've gotten really, really good about praying for my enemies. Praying, not so much enemies, but people that I've been offended by. I've gotten very, very good about praying for them because it goes back to the whole thing about their demons that they're battling, right? You know you haven't done anything wrong. You know you haven't said anything wrong. Or maybe you did in their eyes, right? Because everything is a perception thing. Maybe to you, you didn't do or say anything wrong. But to the other person, they feel like, you know, you were acting out or whatever. You got to ask yourself, why would something that I do or that I say cause you to react or behave in such an aggressive way, right? That, that's what I ask myself. Like, why would something that I do or I say really get you to that point of aggression? To me, that's an indication that you're dealing with a lot of other stuff, okay? Because there's no way that me, as a single individual person, can have that much power over you. And if I do, that's a problem. If I don't, then again, it's an indication that you're dealing with something, you're battling with something, and this is all just a part of that. So when you think about situations that way and you think about people who wrong you in that realm and in that aspect, you actually begin to have a lot of sympathy for them and you start to kind of feel for them. And again, this is after several different years of just applying the teachings, applying the scripture to your life. And you just realize that you're not really doing them any good or yourself any good by cursing them or wishing any evil towards them you actually begin to feel better. You'll feel closer to Christ, more wholesome, when you just take a moment and start to actually pray for them and start to ask God to work on them, to fix them, to heal them, to help them, right? And then you'll see gradually over time, over time, if it is God's will, then these people will begin to sort of open up. Everybody who's wronged you, everybody who's had an issue with you. You didn't have to open your mouth to spew any type of hatred towards them. You just leave it to God and let him do his work, right? That's the ultimate goal, right? When Jesus was on the cross, you know, and, and, and he was hung by nails, 
and, and this is after he's been beaten, he's bloodied all over. In that moment, he's not thinking about all the terrible things that are gonna happen to these people. Of course, that was the inevitable, right? It, it was gonna happen. Some, a lot of those people, I'm sure, went to hell. But, but God wasn't, Christ wasn't thinking about that. He wasn't wishing that upon them. He was rather asking God to have mercy on them, right? Asking God to just, like, God, I know you're gonna do what you need to do. I know you're gonna handle this, but please have mercy for them irrespective of that. Please have mercy for them despite all the things that are happening, right? The Bible says vengeance belongs to the Lord. When you leave things in God's hands, you know and you trust and you believe and you understand he's gonna handle it. And he's gonna handle it in the best way and in the right way. So instead of you doing all that extra stuff, trying to fight people, trying to you know, you know, get a group together or whatever, start hating on people, doing all this unnecessary stuff that's just going to cause more friction, more tension, and just make things end badly, you just kind of take a moment, and again, you put it in God's hands. It's not easy. I don't expect that the next time somebody wrongs you, you're gonna end up doing that. I just, I just want you to know that this is how we're instructed to walk. This is how we're instructed to behave as believers. And the closer we get to that, right, the closer you get to this particular like response and reaction, the closer you know that you are to Christ, right? Because what other indication do we have to knowing, you know, whether or not we're Christians, right? It's not just about saying you're a Christian, right? It's, it's not just about saying you are whatever you think you are. Your actions have to back it up, right? You know who else knows Christ and believes that Christ is the Son of God? Satan, right? He knows that. All of his demons, all of his, you know, fallen angels, they all believe in Christ. They know about his powers. They know about his capabilities. They know that he resurrected from the dead. So saying that you believe in Christ and know about Christ doesn't separate you from them. That's, that's, not, what, that's not what's going to distinguish you as a Christian. It's going to be your abilities to keep yourself grounded and rooted in his word, right? to exercise his teachings, to allow his teachings to work on you from within, right? To die to your flesh daily. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's a gradual process. It's something that you hope for. It's something that you pray for. I look forward to the day where I, I am the best version of myself because I know that I'm so closely, like I'm, I'm just emulating Christ in so many different areas of my life right? That's the goal. That's what we're working towards. And we do that in every aspect of our lives, everywhere we go with anybody that we deal with, not just our family, not just with church members, but outside of here, your school friends, your teachers. When you start working, it'll be your coworkers, your employees. When you get married, it will be your spouse. I mean, all of these things become applicable. And as you apply them, just notice how much better your life is, like the quality of your life. You become this person who's not only God-fearing, but you don't have all this extra weight that you're carrying, okay? I promise you that 99% of the people that are always angry, 
always have a problem or always are always bitter, they're not happy. Their quality of life sucks, right? Because again, how, like, what kind of life are you living to where every little thing is triggering you? You know, don't be worried about that sort of thing. Pray for those people. Really, pray for those people and ask God to help them because the goal is to live a life that is positive, a life that is beautiful, right? You can't have a beautiful life when you're constantly engaging in all these issues and confrontations with people. That's not how Christ wants us to live. He does want us to live at harmony and peace with one another, okay? And of course, you're not gonna be best friends with everybody. Nobody's saying that you need to be, you know, buddy-buddy with everybody. But try as much as possible to, to just follow this, follow this teaching, right? Somebody wrongs you, take the higher road, right? Don't be the first person to issue out a bad slur or negative thing. Don't go back and try gossiping about them and spreading things about them, trying to tarnish their reputation. Don't do any of that stuff, right? Just keep yourself, go to God in prayer, and let him handle the rest, okay? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this time of teaching, Lord. We want to thank you for being here with us and being in our midst, O oh Lord. We thank you, God, for the word that came. We thank you for the word that exists, Lord, in Scripture. Thank you for teaching us and instructing us, Father, Lord God, to respond to negativity, Lord, and to respond in confrontation in a way that will bring about peace, Lord, in a way that is pleasing to you, in a way that will not add more fuel to the fire, Lord, and in a way, Father God, that ultimately brings about reconciliation um, in a manner that is pleasing to you. God, I pray that you will help us all to apply this in our lives, even myself, oh God, that you will help us to keep your word and your teachings in our hearts, Father, Lord God, that we, when our flesh has the urge, Father, Lord God, to, to speak up in, in anger and slander somebody, God, that you would help us to suppress that. Help us, Father God, to have sympathy and humility, Father, Lord God, and to present our, our worries, Lord God, and our issues before you, Lord God. Help us to pray everything out. Help us to keep you as the focal point in all those situations that you may take glory, Lord God, in everything that we do. Help us, Father God, to seek you and to yearn more of you and to be more Christ-like. God, to just be consistent with reading our Bible, with our prayers, Father, Lord God, and to just keep constant communication and knowledge of you. God, we thank you again for a time like this. We thank you that you love us enough, oh God, to teach us how to live life the right way and a way, Father God, that will bring us the most satisfaction, the most peace, and the most, like the best quality in our life, oh God. We thank you for even doing that for us. I commit the rest of this service into your hands, and I ask God that everything that we take from today, oh Lord, will take it out with us and we'll spread the good news, oh God, and that we'll continue to apply it in our lives. We thank you and we ask of all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.